There are many things lately that I have been missing. But most importantly among them is y'all. Thanks for hanging with me in the past couple of weeks. We're back. It's Lamurex Poetry Time. Hello, hello, my little chaos babies. This week's theme is fictional characters, which in another way does mean that I just had to fight really hard to not write fanfiction for the past couple of weeks. But on a broader scope, what that really means is that this week we are celebrating the stories and characters that shaped us and also possibly made us horny. Let's read a haiku or two. One, man with metal mask, your green coat stirring in wind, existential doom. Two, she, glowing like that could honestly choke me out and that's okay, go. Three, caution tape jacket, not daddy's little monster, my anti-hero. Four, lunar royalty, meatball-headed world savior, queen serenity. Five. Hologram woman. Played children's card games all day. DMG love me. Six. Had a waxy face. Don't even like John Cusack. All for Dimitri. Seven. You are a raccoon. What the fuck was wrong with me? You are still hot, Sly. Eight, when Loki's bonds break and the earth heaves final shakes, I will know you then. Nine, sweet big-eyed air boy. Everybody else loves the prince. I love a goober. Ten, by awakening. Titanic, next mom. Dissolve into tears. Eleven. Have courage, be kind. Wear the most glorious dress. Bless costume design. 12. A comfort, a curse. A soul that lives without. Both choking on dust. 12. A comfort, a curse. A soul that lives without you. Both choking on dust. 13. Blue crackle of fire. In eyes and her forceful hand. A lust inside me. And that was a very horny haiku or two. Those mouth sounds courtesy of my dear older sister and this week's guest, Missy DeVelvis. <laughs> Did you know that I was like maybe 23 or 24 years old when i learned that aquarius was an air sign that's not, that tracks for most people it's aqua yeah but i was furious you're the water bearer that's why you look like you have no feelings but inside all you are is tears um but my dear water bearer i know that you are full of feelings also because you half parented me <laughs> and i have lots of feelings so you I, had to take them from me i feel too much all the time mm-hmm 
and I feel too much all the time, but externally. I would like to uh, take my, my external feeling and use it to kind of jab into your internal feeling, which is to say, can I ask you invasive personal questions about your past and crushes? Hell yeah, brother. Rad. Let's do some invasive questions. So, Missy, this week we're talking about something I think you have a lot of experience in. Oh boy. Fictional crushes. You look a little traumatized there. Well, I just know there's a certain one that we have to get to, and Addie's been making fun of me about it for, like, at least five years, even before the show came back onto Netflix. So I'm just getting ready for it. It's not that I'm making fun of you. It's that you're wrong. And so to answer my first question, what is your worst ship that you still think is good? My worst ship? You're not going to give me the answer I want. I was going to say, this is my worst ship. Yes, it is. So nothing is immediately popping to mind, and so I'll go with the main idea that I know I should have grown out of and haven't, and it's mm. the the very angsty character who is good but suffering a lot. I'm really still into the hurt comfort trope, truly. Oh, it, but like also like the hurt is like internal suffering. Oh shit, that's a lot of psychological stuff, isn't it? Fan fiction, baby. Yeah, yeah. But so like the the grumpy character that is like super emo and then the person that's with them just something about that level of angst mm. it's, it's currently manifesting in um the umbrella academy oh god there's a monkey in that oh yeah no i that show is a hot mess and i watch it out of curiosity but the guy who plays diego is annoying and an asshole and has a chip on his shoulder but he's really hot mm. i am unfortunately into him like, the character, I think, too. And he's got that long hair for, like, the insane Asylum stuff. And I'm, like, really, unfortunately into it. And I'm like, I hate this about myself. So, yeah, that trope, which is, I think, kind of immature and not a healthy relationship, but I'm still really into it. So that's probably some shame as a feminist on my part. Mm. Yeah, speaking of shame as a feminist, this sounds a lot like our contentious ship. So I guess we, we just got to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, we got to get there. How do you excuse shipping Zuko and Katara? Okay, there's so many ways in which I can excuse, <laughs> not even excuse. I'm, I'm a Zutara apologist, and I'm not alone, first of all. I am not alone. You're not. You're weirdly the majority. The story almost wrote it for them and then pivoted a little. So here's my here's my thing. So first of all, they have, like, that contentious relationship that's, like, kind of hot about it. But then also, like, the hurt comfort of her, like, saving him at the end. I, I, don't make that face. <laughs> I'm going into my shame complex, and you need to be okay with it. I'm sorry. Um, First of all, the yin and yang in the the fire and water part, the fact that his trust is the one that she likes, or sorry, her trust is the one that he so obsessively tries to earn at the end because she was the first one who trusted him. She's like the only person who can touch his scar. There's, there's just a lot of parallels within those two characters. And also, I just, I am really attracted to the cartoon character of Zuko. Mm. And I was never super into May's aesthetic, even though I like am now, I'm like, Dude, she's so cool. As a kid, I just wasn't super into it. And I could never find any, as a child, as a child, like <laughs> pre slash protosexual attraction to Aang. I know. I'm and in the you thought he was so cute. And he's I was like, he's so a baby. Cute. He's got the little dark hair and his big eyes. And he likes to skip around and he makes her jewelry. He's a weird little baby. And he, <laughs> she was confused and he kissed her anyway. That was weird. I hated that the Ember Island players, he was being all gross. But he also did pretty much accept the fact that he was going to die. You're 12 years old. You're going to go die at the hands of a terrifying adult. You panic kiss a girl. Is it okay? No. Did I get it? Also, yes. Yeah, I guess. And also, I mean, knowing that he's 12 years old, he just also had so much stupid, like, jealousy shit. Mm. And 
I mean, we love short kings, but something about his, the size difference just made it feel like he was just such a kid because he was a child, but she mothers the shit out of him. And I see that throughout and I just, I feel no chemistry. I feel it's a weird mom complex and I just can't get behind that ship in particular. I need my star-crossed lover's angst. Here's my question for you though, because... Because I, I remember, like, I followed the Katara Zuko thing, and the whole time I actually just really hoped it wouldn't happen, because to me, I was like, I get it. It's Romeo and Juliet. And for me, that's actually kind of what drove me away from the ship, is I was, I was like, mm. yeah, there, it's, it's fire and water. <laughs> <laughs> because you know what? Katara and Aang are the water bearer. An airbender and a waterbender together. It's like Aquarius energy. So anyway, I love Aquarius. So we talked about your worst trope. Missy, what is what is the cartoon crush you're proudest of? No one has ever asked me pride in a cartoon well, crush. Like, yeah, like <laughs> who do you think is the best one? Like what shows your best taste? Oh boy. Yeah, be proud of your weird shit. Well, we had talked about this. Oh, this is a way to tie it into the Twitter. Mm. Follow Slam Your Ex on Twitter. I did my, my love of Dimitri. Oh, just the... Oh. Mm. Mm. And that's kind of angsty too. Oh god, but see that is the perfect angst. Dimitri is perfect. Like he has his own little goal and he's kind of a con man, but he doesn't want to hurt anyone. He wants he's paying the actress he's hiring. And then the second when she tells him about the when she tells the story about the wall and, and his he face like goes up. Yes, and he like has to leave the room. He's so like verklempt. And then when he kidnaps her grandma and is like, You have to meet her, please. He didn't take the money. He didn't take the money. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And you know what really got it for me? Fucking rolled up three quarter sleeves. Yes! <laughs> and a big nose. I'm really into, really into big noses. Me I don't too. know what it is. Oh, a new one, I think kind of a last question to round you up on. So, uh, Missy, both you and I um, have more interesting taste. No, I'm kidding. That's gross. I'm not going to say that. Nope. Uh, so, Missy, both you and I are not straight. <laughs> so, your lady crushes, are they very similar to your man crushes or super different? And who was your first cartoon one? Because I want to know. Not into angsty ladies. Mm. For some reason, it's something about men. And I think that's a gender dynamic that we could look into more um, mm -hmm. in another podcast about not this. <laughs> um, I remember the first like weird stirrings was during... Um, these transformations that these women had to go under and so and i was like what is that weird feeling and so there are two um the first one was um when ariel changes from a mermaid to a girl i was like what is this feeling second was when odette in the swan princess changes into a swan like against like oh no kind of thing i was oh, like what yeah. is this weird yep. feeling mm -hmm. that movie is kind of kinky and also i was into anastasia as well i should say yeah. It just took me a really long time to be like, do I emulate this woman? What, 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 for what reason do I do so? Do I want to have a fancy transformation sequence or do I want to watch a fancy transformation sequence? The answer is usually both. Yeah. Porkinolas does. Yeah. Oh, and while we're on the shame, one more thing. Um, my proudest cartoon vindication moment was growing up as an adult and realizing that no, I wasn't crazy for thinking that they drew some cartoon animals to be sexy. Yeah. Oh my God. Justice for Kovu and Lion King 2, they drew him sexy on purpose, and I'm not crazy. He winked at the camera. You can't make a lion wink at me and expect me to be chill about it. All right, so our first category is really, really well suited to a lot of fictional characters because it's the cornerstone of most stories because what's the fun if someone isn't suffering a little bit more than me? Why else would I need a fictional character? Hmm? A healthy outlet? That doesn't sound right. It's time for angst and sex. Our first piece is called 
barbed. It's dark, and you sit sulking, dipping your feet into puddles of milk you spilled and tears you cried over it. What reflection do you catch in the sparkles of light bounced from where you could be onto waves you made? The monster comes soon for you, far too soon for the long work of pulling your pride out from a secret, painful place. Our next poem is called The Burden of the Bloodline. They met when she was a child, the Spartan and her consort war, but it was using secrets as a weapon and had not even begun to be won. She learned, she fell, she took a scar. An authority on violence, prove it on a scar, but she gives her heart and time to a child. Broad shoulders, a shield against war, every inch of her trained as a weapon just to fall for a clever little one. Soon her consort was hunting, her consort won, a fallen young thief, the heaviest scar, that she could lead her consort to a child. Thought it immune to the wounds of war? Child turned sheath to a weapon. But the Spartan herself was a weapon. She hunted down every last one. Fair payment to give and escape death are new scars. She bought herself peace and a son, her own child, but she forgot how to hide him from war. This time in her loss, she became war, embracing herself as a weapon, burning through battles until all is one, giving the earth its own scar, demanding the life of her child. The smallest part of her tale, Myth uttered broadly over an ale. The all-burning love for a child, keeping the eagle-bearer beguiled. This piece is dedicated to the Fire Princess. Sharp, the line on her eye. Sharp, the line of her mind. Sharp, the breath I took. Chilling, her tenacity, chilling her turn of phrase, chilling the wind around lonely shoulders. She gets the good lines, the good looks, the cool poses, so they make sure to take the rest away. And our last piece is called Alternate Cut. Two figures cross over the bridge, the man in front shackled by the one behind, a shadow. More symbol, that man. There's a sad tension between them, a dark relationship with no other end. Slowly, the silence is broken with measured pleas. The shadow, an obelisk of flawed thought. The man, a young, scarred idealist. Nothing changes in the conversation on the bridge. The dirge continues to its predestined end. The man forced forward in chains to a pyrrhic, tragic end. And every time you wish, just this time, for the shadow to be swayed. Yeah, that was some angst and sex. All right, Missy, it's time for what really matters when it comes to Slammerx poetry. It's time for me to continue my winning streak. Will you help me? Uh, great, thanks. Okay, <laughs> so it's time for... <laughs> I'm an instructor. I have to grade fairly <laughs> no. across the board. Well, fairly is me. Oh. I win always. No. 
<laughs> um, no, sorry. Um, we have we have our our delightful, um, consistent second place winner, Nico, with us. Hi, Nico. Well, hi there, Addy. I love being introduced as your regular loser. I said second place winner. Okay, I was being very generous. Hashtag language <laughs> matters. <laughs> Um, no, but real talk, uh, Missy, we do a haiku battle every week where we go through Reddit, we use them as prompts, and then Nico and I try and give advice in the form of a haiku. Um, you're going to judge it. The English major in me is ready. Um, so Missy, we're going to judge on three categories. The first is almost a gimme. It's just technical skill. Do we have the right syllable count? Okay. Second category is creativity and language. Does it sound cool? Was there a cool turn of phrase? Is it good? Last category is soundness of advice. So does our advice actually matter? Is it good? Is it silly? Did it make you laugh? Does it work? Is it a bad idea? All these you're going to be judging out of five. Okay. Which means a five is a hundred. Four out of five is an 80. So it'd be a, sorry. Well, think of it in terms of 15. Fair. Well, no, I'm going to look at them as separate categories. So you get an A on this or a B on this. That's the most fair to the students usually with grading. I'm going to kill you. But then also looking at the overall as a composite to make sure that um, just because they messed up in one area, if they don't deserve a C, then they won't get a C. Hmm. Because I am a benevolent overlord. Sure. But also, whoever wins has the highest overall score, right? Yes. Great. I want to be that person. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right. So, Nico, I figured that I would let you even out the field a little Uh, uh. bit. And um, I thought you could open the floor. with. Hold on. I want to interrupt you. I figured that we would even out the field a little bit. This was my idea. So I'm gonna bring in my own Reddit prompt (laughs) because Addie regularly has a little bit of a home field advantage by knowing what we're writing about before we start writing it. I only ever read the headlines. No, that's fair, that's fair. Um, But I now actually have a Reddit prompt as well. So Addie, are you ready for me to even out the field potentially? Potentially. (laughs) Yeah, I'm ready. Let's talk about my post, which is, am I the asshole for returning my BF's Nintendo Switch? <gasps> oh my god. Okay. My BF and I had a rough year, decided to buy him a Nintendo Switch for Christmas. As Christmas approached, I purchased the console, as well as a new game for it every time I got my paycheck bi-weekly. Uh, BF said we should return the presents we bought so far and go half on a TV for his apartment. I told him I already brought something very nice for him that I didn't want to return, so he told me he would purchase something very nice for me, saying specifically an iPhone X. Come Christmas Day, he bought nothing, and he said he meant to go to the store to purchase the iPhone, but didn't find the time. Told me he wouldn't get until I got my iPhone. Months passed, he got me nothing for Christmas, and I returned the Switch and his games. His family says it's fine, because it was technically her Switch. The boyfriend to this day says it is unforgivable, and he can't believe I did that. So am I the asshole? Oh, God. I'm exhausted. One question for clarification. The Switch was... Un- was it still boxed? Or was it something they owned? It sounds like she Appar- had it. Yeah, it sounds like she. he basically didn't get her the iPhone he said. And she was like, well, you're not getting this until I get my present. And then he didn't get the iPhone. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So Nico and I are not allowed to give any advice unless it's in the form of a haiku. Okay. So Nico, have you got the timer up? I've got the timer. All right. Let's do this thing. Bing. All right. So Nico, 
How did that round fare for you? I'm pretty okay. I'm not too... Uh, uh, it's gonna be okay. A resounding vote of confidence. Not necessarily. Let's go. Yeah, would you like to open with your advice first? Uh, yes, sure. <clears throat> you have done no wrong. Just like many Goomba heads, you should just stomp him. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Mm, very good. <clears throat> are, are, you, are you ready? Are you prepared in your mind space for my work? I'm not dignifying that with a response. <laughs> she wouldn't even look at me. Um, <laughs> she, like, kept her head down. I was like, mm. So she wouldn't have to look at me. All right. <clears throat> you are an asshole because you are still with him. You should switch it up. Oh, God. Yeah. I thought I had a grown-worthy thing. (laughs) (laughs) So how cowardly is a tie? Well, we have another round. Okay. Here's the thing. Addie, you didn't play to your audience. You know I hate shitty puns. So I think that's actually going to be a detraction on your part (gasps) for your shitty pun. The fuck? It was a- it was wordplay! Yeah, well, to some extent, like, we can recognize the value of literature, but we can also be okay with saying this was not my favorite piece of literature, but I recognize why it's valuable to some. You're a turd. (laughs) And so I really love the aesthetic and linguistic um, Goomba usage. So I'm going to go with, again, we're thinking poetry. We're thinking how well does it sound to the human ear, and especially important in haikus, considering they're so brief. And so you do need to go into the auditory orality. Eat your face. <laughs> um, that was my mean laugh. Um, that being said, I agreed with both of your advice. Mm-hmm. And so the only detraction is that god-awful pun. So we're looking at a 15-14 split right now. That's my thought process. All right. All right. Fine then. Oh. So, I'll go ahead and I'll read my prompt. Am I the asshole for being upset at my girlfriend for going on her family vacation when they didn't invite me and being weirded out by how much they baby and spoil her? Boof. My girlfriend is the youngest of five. Her sister is the eldest, then brothers, then her. Maybe it's because she's the youngest, but they baby her a lot. Even her siblings. She turned 20, still calls her father daddy. Okay. Her father still calls her princess, and her mom calls her Habibi. Oh, that's so cute. Um, mm. Which means my love or something in Arabic. Or something. Her siblings all have pet names for her, and there's always a lot of hugging when they meet. I find this very weird. <laughs> all of this all the pet names seem juvenile she's 20 not two i've said a few words about it before but she has ignored it mm-hmm. all of her siblings are spread out once a year they plan a big family holiday um it was in january so before covid like it was a big thing her parents sorted out logistics hotels and plane tickets it was fully paid for then he found out he wasn't invited he was upset and asked why he was left out. And she said the relationship was new and her parents were still getting used to him. This has been an ongoing concern. Her parents didn't approve. Age gap was too big. I'm turning 30 this year. All you have to do is look at the age breakdown. You know how the answer is going to be. You know, he buried that fucking lead three paragraphs in. Yep. Um, all right. So he, he, I tell her it's been long enough and I'm tired of her parents' disapproval. I tell her not to go on the trip to show she's not okay with being invited. And she immediately gets defensive. She says the only time she'd be able to see her parents because it would be, yep, we fight. She says stuff like, you dislike how I address my family and the way they address me. You also say you don't like the excessive hugging we meet. Now you don't want me to see my family at all. You're so annoying. <laughs> she leaves. We didn't speak for a while and she goes on holiday anyway. 
I don't think I'm being unreasonable, asking her to take a stand for a relationship to her parents. We're slowly patching things up, but she keeps asking me about the incident. I know she wants me to say I regretted some of the things I said, but I honestly don't. All right, so everyone rub out the migraine they just got. I thought the babying was going to be like throwing money at her and her having never done anything in her life wrong. Right, which also still would not be any of his business because if she's 20, that's still kind of normal. Yeah. <laughs> like, it might be a little cringy and I would be more understanding of him being uncomfortable with it, but, like, she's fucking 20. Yeah, like, I thought this was going to be a trust fund baby thing and him be, like, worried about if they were to be right. together long term, like, how much debt she'd be in or if she'd always right. just, yeah. It's, I feel like it's okay that we're talking about this because this guy's obviously a, a fucking devil. There's so many paragraphs. We have to get a little bit of... Yeah. Yeah, but let's also not forget that they there is a 10-year age gap. He is a 30-year-old dating a 20-year-old. What's wrong with you that you're not dating a 25-year-old? Well, let's get even That's more a little specific. bit closer. Because her mother calls her Habibi. As, as he says, it means something in Arabic. So she's not even, like, white. Like, well, she might be mixed, but, like, we don't know. But, like, she is culturally different from him. So okay. not only is there an yeah. age gap, but there's also that. You're mad yeah. that your SO's being a child when you're dating a child? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shit's bad. All right, Nico, All right. We, we have no more rights to keep uh, talking. We have to write a haiku. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah, All let's right. roast this mother. Get that timer this going. This mother. And go. Bing. Do you want to hear my poem? This is my response to Mr. Reddit Man. Young lady, young pussy, you treat her like she's nothing. Your imperfect toy. That was my angry poetry voice. Ah. <laughs> for dramatic effect. Angry poetry voice, now for dramatic effect. Did I win? We haven't heard the other one. Goodness, impatient. Yeah, but I won, right? This tension is making my underboob sweat. Okay, next one. All right, so my poem... Just fucking gaudy. A grown man insecure about family affection. Did you say about family affection? Yes. <laughs> because that makes it seven. Mm. Wait, so your last line is family affection? Yes. Family affection. No, he did family. Oh, come on. When do you say family? Always. It's my family. It's my family. Family. Family? Hmm. That's a good point. I cannot believe the English major is going to give you that one. I'll take this into consideration. Family. It's a family. Am I been saying it wrong my entire life? Yeah. Am I wrong? I mean, I mean technically speaking, yeah, oh. but well, here's it's not the a big thing. deal. Yeah, we get colloquial versus English. Like, I'm not saying I disagree. I'm just, I'm actually surprised that it's not a big thing to you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I heard the bout, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I actually, I want to be clear. The only reason I counted was I actually really liked what you did there. I was like, ooh, bout family effect. Fam oh, no. So that's the only reason I caught it. Because <laughs> I liked it a lot. Gotcha. I can be gracious when I'm pointing out your mistakes. <laughs> okay, so. Addie got a five on technical. You got... I gave you a four on language, and I can't quite remember why. Is it because I used the word pussy? Well, you know I hate that word. I know. I, well, I just thought it was really evocative to how he thought of her. Yeah, no, it's right. Yeah, I don't remember why I gave it a four. It might have just been pussy. It's probably the word pussy. Neither of you kept to the advice prompt. He, he doesn't deserve advice. But you made it a category. Yeah. But don't worry, mm -hmm. I, I docked you both. Because you're just mad at him. Which, again, understandable, but I had to go with the rubric. Oh, fair. So... 
You both got threes in advice. So that gives Addy a um, a twelve. Um, Nico, you you got a five for the creativity of language, mm. but I had to give you a four, not for the family, but Bout was so out of it was it was jarring and not in the good way <sighs> to do Bout. Fair. And then soundness of advice, I had to give you the same. So actually, accidentally, you both got twelve and twelve, which actually means I believe Nico wins by one. Oh, oh my gosh! <laughs> it happened. <laughs> I never thought it would happen. <laughs> Not like this. Damn it. I thought I was going to have to bring my sister. <laughs> yeah, we got to bring on your sisters next. They'll like me most. I would like to let the record show that I was not thinking when I did the math. I am an unbiased grader, and I take my grading very seriously. Great. Go be Nico's sister, then. I just want to be a good teacher, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> I just want to win everything all the time, damn it. <laughs> I, uh. I think I think we can all um, sort of rest assured, though, that um, it is better that I won and that I'm happy that I won. Thank you. Good night. I hate you so much. <laughs> all right. I hate everyone. The podcast is over forever. Everyone's fired. Get out. Um, actually, Missy, this is kind of the last time we have a little rapport moment with you. So before we sign off on this section, you will come back for our last poem. But I wanted to ask, do you have anything of your own that you would like to plug? Things you want people to check out? Um, I'm a historian. Uh, I have a PhD in the uh, history of the 19th century U.S. South, and so if you want to catch up on the Twitterverse of Southern history, which is very uh, relevant right now in the news, my at is, um, for the tweeters, is Develvis Hist. It's D-E-V-Elvis Hist. I promise the Twitter has a little bit more levity than you would expect from a historian, because I'm mostly shitposting about how I'm not doing work. All right, everybody knows that the only real value of fictional characters is the fact that you can project yourself onto them and conveniently erase all the parts about yourself that you don't feel like having to confront in a fictional character. And that's really all I have to say about it to segue into our next section, because isn't any relationship with a character just a long extended form of man versus self? Do you see what I did there? Yeah, you saw it. Our first poem is called, My Shepherd. Captain of a ship, ever drifting into the unknown, you lead through example and compassion, lead through impossibilities and doubt, lead those who follow into a better understanding of themselves. What's more, you let me make my choices, live with my consequences, and let my compassion show. For the first time, everyone lives. The day can be saved. Not merely through an act of war, but from well-spoken words, a good heart, and a quick wit. And when all that fails, the space magic will prevail. This poem is titled, Volunteer Fire Department. 600 volunteer firefighters 30 miles north battle the blaze while ash rains in my backyard where I fancy queer costumes for the upcoming drag show, covet the fortunes of America's elite, and send messages on signal to some secret organization. I dangle my tattooed ankle, adorned in Count Olaf's likeness, off the side of my hammock. I do not know the contents of the sugar bowl, have no stomach for pasta puttanesca, improv acting, or homicidal fires, but I too am guilty of arson. This poem is titled, Character Selection. Used to think myself a rambunctious hero type, but I see that a constantly troublesome rogue is just plain exhausting. 
When choosing archetypes, one must consider the benefit to trouble ratio, so you can see me settling into the measured advisor role. Give me that slow burn, long game character development. Then, in a crucial moment, I'll help some foolish hero and sit my ass back down. This piece is called Fangirl. The startled wonder of her eyes matched mine, which is silly. Hers was put there by the tip of a pen, inventing love. Their arms cutting arcs through the air, etched in action, peace, and love, by hand and memory and mind. Drawn of air, I celebrated with water. That ship left shore. This poem? It's a boon. Wisdom from a surprising source. Some forgotten tome in a catalog of a prolific penman. Fear is as big as the universe, or as small as what's around the corner. Pain comes in the memories you've tried to forget just as suddenly as the man with his improvised tools. Our relationships are built in a moving home, wildly swaying from near collapse to a euphoric bound, and the terror in an unexpected trip and an even less predictable end, but also how you struggle through it all. Forward through that cycle, at least. Hardened by that trauma, that phantom peace. Better prepared for the next wave. Man versus self. See what I did there? You thought I was going to be like, man, and then say something, but no, I didn't. I just said, man, and then finished the name of the section. Missy, um, you are reading our final poem today. The main way I got you on this podcast was allowing you to make your defense of why this is your favorite poem. <laughs> why did you choose this poem? So yeah, uh, in addition to history, I was an English major, and Wordsworth is absolutely my shit, even though he's an old white man. My favorite thing that I liked from the romantics is just their love of nature, but also that feeling of just being, like, thrilled with the sublime when you're at the top of a mountain, and that brings them closer to their idea of God or understanding or whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. And this poem I like so much because, one, he's above ruins of a monastery, which, like, looks so cool. Google Tintern Abbey. It looks incredible, even to this day. He's there. He's experienced and jaded but he still loves this and actually he loves it more because he has that experience so you have to feel, so feel sorrow to understand it is a long poem so i have cut quite a few bits out of it it is therefore an excerpt from william wordsworth lines composed a few miles above tintern abbey yet oh how oft in darkness and amid the many shapes of joyless daylight when the fretful stir unprofitable and the fever of the world have hung upon the beatings of my heart, how oft in spirit have I turned to thee, O Sylvan Why? How often has my spirit turned to thee? And now, with gleams of half-extinguished thought, with many recognitions dim and faint and somewhat of a sad perplexity, the picture of the mind revives again, while here I stand, not only with the sense of present pleasure, but with pleasing thoughts that in this moment there is life and food for future years. And so I dare to hope, though changed, no doubt, from what I was when first I came among these hills, more like a man flying from something that he dreads than one who sought the thing he loved. For nature then, the coarser pleasures of my boyish days and their glad animal movements all gone by, to me was all in all. I cannot paint what then I was, 
that time is past, and all its aching joys are now no more, and all its dizzy raptures. Not for this faint eye, nor mourn, nor murmur. Other gifts have followed. For such loss, I would believe, abundant recompense. For I have learned to look on nature, not as in the hour of thoughtless youth, but hearing oftentimes the still, sad music of humanity. And there we have it, folks. That's another episode of Slam Your Ex Poetry come to an end. I hope that you guys all enjoyed hanging out with me, listening to some poetry, and I'm really, really excited about how much work from this episode came from you all. So thank you for interacting on Twitter and submitting online. Honestly, I am going to pay attention to the kind of things that people respond to and want to write about, so submitting can only ever help make the show more of what you want it to be. With that being said, our next episode releases on September 4th, uh, and I wanted to personally thank everybody for your patience and, you know, for some of my more personal friends, your support, because I, I did have a, a pet pass away in the family in the past two weeks, which is why we needed to postpone. Shit sucks. But it is okay because I have the love of my awesome family and friends, as evidenced, of course, by our awesome guest, Missy DeValvis, who just so happens to be my sister. Missy, thank you so much for uh, giving me your time and geeking out over hot guys with me. Housekeeping for me, uh, make sure to follow us at Slam Your Ex on Twitter and Instagram. That's S-L-A-M-U-R. EX. And don't forget to submit all that you want. You can also submit inquiries for um, advice that we'll use in the haiku battles or suggestions for the show. I don't know. DM me and talk about your feelings. I don't have that many personal boundaries. I'm going to regret that invitation specifically. Keep your eyes peeled because Monday we will be announcing the next episode's theme. So get your thinking caps ready. Until then... Ready an indulgent footbath for your sweet, needy girlfriend, the void. Get the little freaky little alien scalp massager ready to go on her and pre-unwrap one of those dove dark chocolates. Spoil her. I'll see you next time. fellas who do you think would win in a fight to the death harry potter or vegeta uh that's definitely vegeta harry potter would be like expelliarmus and vegeta would just punch him in the solar plexus and he'd fly into a mountain and disintegrate into a fine mist who do you think would be a worse landlord goddard from jimmy neutron or billy from the grim adventures of billy and mandy oh it would definitely be goddard he would just keep eating all of your household appliances every time you bought them need all the nuts and bolts out of your carpenter box so do you guys think that Bill Gates could make knitting as successful as the personal computer? What is this, baby hour? Of course he could. I'm Marcus Driscoll. I'm Tommy Calhoun. And I'm Tim. And together, we are the Versus Extreme Podcast. We take all your who would wins and what do you think would happen if and turn them into comedy. We upload every Tuesday and you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at Versus Extreme, where you can also send us your own questions that we will answer on the show. Okay, okay. But if Wolverine, as portrayed by Hugh Jackman, were a woodchuck, how much wood could he chuck? Uh, huh? Uh, huh? Huh? I mean, come on. <laughs>